<clears throat> do you? Uh... I can say my name. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> do you know your line? Yeah, say... it's Ashley. <laughs> I got it. I meant to say, "Are we ready?" <laughs> do you? Uh, yeah, Maggie. Come on. Are we recording yet? Oh, we've been recording for okay. seven minutes. Terrific. Okay. Ready? Do it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Hi, this is Maggie. And Ashley. And you're listening to The Watering Hole, a place where animals and animal enthusiasts regularly drink. Every episode, we'll talk about different animals and why they're cool, from basic biology to the threats they face and what people are doing about it, all while under the influence. So ready. Feeling loosey goosey tonight. I know. And that is not a hint as to one of the animals that we're doing. Goose, goosey. Yeah, I understood, but I just was surprised that I don't know. I know what animal you're doing. I don't know what animal you're doing, so I thought maybe we're being sarcastic. No, no, that's so not if you do a goose. I can't, I can't really tell. Let's. We just had this conversation. Oh my God. It's not always obvious with you. No, it's not. It's. I'm just really. One I'd love to do goose. I do like snow geese are amazing. I really want to see those migrating in the wild. Mm-hmm. Fun fact about me, my favorite sound in the world. In the world. Is Canadian geese honking. <clears throat> They're Canada geese. I said Canadian. They're Canada geese. Okay, whatever. Because they're not named for the country. They're named after the guy who discovered them. Wow. Whose name is was, I believe, Joe Canada. Wow, you have schooled me. I hope this is true because my professor, who I learned to bird from, was like an ornithology master. And if you said Canadian geese in her present, like, you would be fully scolded. I am literally going to text some ornithologist friends right now and hope that they respond. Because this is awesome to know. I believe it's true. If it's not true, it is not my fault. It's my professor's fault. I will not say her name, but I, I believe it was because the person who discovered them, was his last name was Canada, and that's why they're Canada geese. I dig it. I'm down. But, yeah, just so you know. And now, uh, now that my dad knows that, that I will correct people, he'll yeah. always say Canadian geese, just to piss me off. And I'm like, thanks, pops. <laughs> like, he'll go out of his way to, to point out Canada geese so he can say it. He's a real, he's a real gem. Love you, Dan. Um, all right. So we're on episode four. Yeah, this is great. Yeah. We're getting into a groove. Mm-hmm. Do you want to go first or should I go first? Yeah, well, we were kind of alternated. I don't know who went first last time. Well, we've only had three episodes and I went first the first time. So it seems like I go first on odd numbers and oh, you go first on even. I'm down with that. So if you want to start Oh, us my off, ornithologist friend just texted me. <gasps> it's Canada geese. <laughs> yes! Yes! Oh, I feel so justified. Ah. Uh, uh, I'm so happy. Shout out, Adam. Thank you. Oh, yes. Thanks, Adam. You make me feel so much better. I was like, if I'm wrong, I'm, I feel real bad for calling you out. He works for the Audubon Society, so oh, he okay. better know. Good. <laughs> yes. Okay, so then so I go exciting. first today. Mm-hmm. Since this is episode We've four. already learned so much. This is great. So, episode four, I want to talk about the Asiatic black bear. <gasps> oh, my goodness. They're so cool. They're so, so cool. Its scientific name is Ursus Tibetanus. Oh, those Ursus. Those Ursuses. 
Asiatic black bear, these guys are also known as moon bears, which I think is probably how most people know them, or the Himalayan black bear, or mm-hmm. Himalayan black bear, depending on how you pronounce it. I've never heard it pronounced Himalayan. Um, so that is actually how it's pronounced over in Asia, I'm told. Uh-huh. While I was over in Asia, I didn't really pick up on any difference in how it was pronounced, yeah. just primarily because I wasn't talking about the Himalayas that much. But yeah. Anyway. These bears are awesome. They're beautiful, fuzzy, furry oh creatures. Goodness. So they're found in high-altitude forests throughout all of Asia, from Iran through Afghanistan and Pakistan, all the way over to Korea and eastern China, even on some of the Japanese islands, which is cool. Very cool. I mentioned they're fuzzy. They have long, fuzzy, coarse hair, oh and goodness. that's because it keeps them warm in those cooler climates. Mm-hmm. So they are fluffy, just like... Keep well insulated. Exactly. They are adorable. They are easily identifiable because they have a cream-colored V on their necks. Like a little necklace? Kind of, yeah. And it kind of looks like a crescent moon. Hence, moon Moon bear. bear. Yes. However, I will say, Mm -hmm. kind of a fun fact, there are a lot of different types of Asian bears. Yeah, I was going to say. There's the Asiatic black bear. There's also who is also the moon bear, uh-huh. but there's also sun bears and mm-hmm. sloth bears. Oh my god, sloth bears are also adorable. That's They're... what that's what Baloo is in the Jungle Book. Did he's you know a sloth that? bear? Well, he's supposed to be. Hmm. Yeah. So is the Asiatic black bear a species or a subspecies? It's a species. Oh, okay. Yeah. So about these bears, um, I mentioned the, the crescent moon mm-hmm. on their neck. The sun bears and the sloth bears also have cream-colored necklaces, if you will. But if you were to go look at a photo of each one of those different species, you will know. You, you, you can there, see obvious differences. There are obvious differences, even though they have similar coloring. Mm-hmm. However, about the coloring, these black bears, similar to the black bears that we know in the United States, can come in all different shades and colors, including brown, black, and very rare cases, blonde. <gasps> Ooh! As a natural blonde, I'm flattered that they're Asiatic black bears that are also blonde. Do blonde bears have more fun? Oh, of course. I don't know. Mm. So the males range from about 220 to 440 pounds, or that's roughly 100 to 200 kilograms. Females range from 110 to 275 pounds. That, that's me. That's me, right? I'm a I'm a female Asiatic black I thought, bear. I thought you looked different today. Uh-huh. Uh, that's also 50 to 125 kilograms. Nice. Their mating season is different depending on where they live because they are found just over pretty much the entire continent of Asia. Yeah. It depends on if they're more north, more south, more of an arid for or arid climate or a forest. So. They're typically solitary in the wild, and they're opportunistic omnivores. You know what that means? I believe, I know omnivores is they eat both meat and vegetation. Mm -hmm. So opportunistic is like they basically take any opportunity, which is like me when I eat. That is 100% me. I will eat, I mean, what? other than being a vegetarian, I will eat whatever is around. Yeah, yeah, I will. If you eat in front of me, I will not say no. Exactly. I appreciate it. (laughs) Which is a whole other issue that we will not address here. Which means I'd make a really great bear. There you go. I am really loving this Sauve Blanc tonight. Mm. I'm going to just say it. It's cool and refreshing. Yes. And these metal cups. So classy. Back to the bears. Yeah. Sorry. Um, you are totally right. Opportunistic omnivores means that they will eat if the opportunity presents itself. 
fun to know mm-hmm. in the northern part of their range where winters can be more harsh. Yeah. So I'm thinking northern China, even like um, the foothills of the Mongolian steppe Ooh, or something. Mm-hmm. Both male and female will hibernate because food availability huh. becomes scarcer or limited. Yeah. Wait, so um, does normally only one hibernate? No, it's just they oh, both okay. will take advantage of that. Oh, no. Gotcha. Bears will reach sexual maturity and reproduce after four to five years, and they'll have one to two cubs. Aww, little yes. babies. Yes, oh, I do have a question. Yes. In terms, so in terms of size, they seem all small compared to like if you think of like a polar bear or a grizzly yeah. bear. Yeah. Where do they fall? Like within, I, I think there's like eight species of bear or something like that. Um, there are. There are surprisingly a lot of species of bears, um, which is super cool. But you're right. They are much smaller smaller. than grizzlies or polar bears. Mm -hmm. They're about the same size as the black bears that we have here in the U.S. So they're not huge. But if you came across one in the forest... Yeah, you wouldn't want to be alone with one. For example, actually, the reason I chose these bears Mm -hmm. is because I actually volunteered with them Mm -hmm. last year over in Cambodia... And they really are adorable creatures. Like, you want to just shove your face in all that fur. But. Wouldn't recommend. Wouldn't recommend it. One day I was cleaning their cages and one bear was hanging out in his hammock. And I was not paying attention to my surroundings. So I'm just, like, sweeping up poop. Mm -hmm. And the keeper across the way, he, like, just whistled at me and pointed upwards yeah and I turned and this bear is just like we are nose to nose through I mean it's through a cage yeah he's he's in his enclosure but we were so close to each other and he's just watching me oh god (laughs) and I just picture him like taking a like a huge exhale and like the whole thing like (laughs) fogging up That's exactly what um, I There was no glass. It oh. was just... Oh! It was, so just your whole face filling up with steam. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. With bear breath. We'll, we'll get back to my experience with these bears in a mm. moment. I do want to talk about the threats that they are facing because mm-hmm. these are actually very numbered or uh, extensive. So their worldwide population is declining due to habitat loss. There's both illegal logging and human encroachment in, in their region. Human encroachment is a topic that I learned about not so long ago, like within the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. What that means is that humans are just spreading out. There yeah. are more of us, so we're trying to find more places so to live. And by doing that, we are moving into forests and cutting down habitat that used to be where animals lived. Yeah. They're also in threat because of poaching for their body parts. Mm -hmm. This is really tragic. Um, Mm. They are, parts of their bodies are supposed remedies in Eastern traditional medicine, traditional Eastern medicine, pardon me. However, there's zero scientific evidence that shows any part of the bear provides medicinal benefits. Which is like for any traded animal part. Absolutely. Uh, Not any, for all of them. There's no scientific evidence to say that this actually helps you in any way. It's horrible. It's awful. It is pretty awful. Um, So, for example, they are being farmed. These these bears are being farmed for their bear bile. So, you know, we all have bile in our digestive system. It is supposed that that their bile can be used in medicine, and they're, like, cranked up to these machines in really horrific conditions where they can't even turn around in a cage. They are also being killed for their paws. Oh, God. Bear paw soup 
is oh. a delicacy over in yeah. parts of Asia, similar to shark fin soup. You know, yeah. you've heard of that too, or turtle soup. Mm-hmm. And these animals are just mutilated. And unfortunately, with a lot of these bears, they are captured in bear traps or snares. Yeah. And they are captured, A, for their paws, or B, to be used in a bear bile farm, or both. And they are also being captured as pets, which it's illegal mm. to have wild animals as pets in Cambodia, but it's also seen as a status symbol. That's such a contradiction. I know. I mentioned Cambodia because that's where I traveled to and worked with these bears, but there are similar rules and laws elsewhere in Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. So anyway, humans will often illegally keep these bears as well as other creatures as pets. And, you know, we've seen that in the United States, yeah. too. Like, it never having goes wild well. animals as a pet is is not no. a smart idea unless you are a registered animal um, sanctuary, sanctuary or, or rescue or something. They're it wild is, for a reason. <laughs> exactly. It is in no way good for the animal. They're meant to be wild. And when they can't behave like they would normally, they get restless and unhappy. And they can lash out at humans and cause harm or even hurt themselves yeah. or you. So, um, I mean, my dog is domesticated and he still causes so much trouble. Like, yeah. he is a wild animal and right. he's not. Right. So I can only imagine what having what an would, actual wild like animal is. What would be like if you had a bear? Right? Oh, so, a lot bigger and also <sighs> so much more mess. Yes. So, a couple quick fun facts. Let's bring it up a notch. Boom. Um, I mentioned Yeah, you took you. it way down there. I'm sorry. It's not your fault. It's humanity's fault. I know. So, Rudyard Kipling, who wrote The Jungle Book. Oh, yes. He described the Asiatic black bears as the most bizarre ursine species. Ah! And that's because they walk... More bizarre than sloth bears? That's because these bears walk on their hind legs more than any other bear, which... We have all seen photos of a bear walking on his hind legs, it's so right? It's very, it's very cool, it's but cool, you're but like, like, what are you doing? You belong on all fours. Yeah, and they're so much larger. Yeah. Like, oh. yeah. And as I mentioned, these bears resemble sloth bears and sun bears. Baloo in the Jungle Book is a sloth bear, even though he may not look like that in the movie. <laughs> he is that in the book. Mm-hmm. That's the matter. And they're all found in Asia, and they all derive from the same ancestor. So that's why they they're very look similar. Similar, but they've evolved into having different specialities. Special specialties. Wow. Specialities. Oh my god. Specialties. I was gonna roll with it, but mm-hmm. you caught yourself. Well done. So as I mentioned, I worked with these bears over in Cambodia uh, with an organization called Free the Bears, mm-hmm. and they have sanctuaries all throughout Southeast Asia and different countries. And they will rescue bears from these bear bile farms, from entertainment, like circuses. They have dancing bears, and they subjugate these animals to just having to perform for hours and hours and hours. And mm-hmm. when you're a bear, the last thing you want to be doing is being active all yeah. day in the You want to sleep. You want to go swimming. You want to lounge in a hammock mm-hmm. of leaves and branches. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so... This this nonprofit will rescue bears and then bring them to one of their sanctuaries, depending on which one's closest, and they will actually rehabilitate the bears so that they can be reintroduced to the wild, which Aww. is so cool. And that's what I got to help with. I was helping with bear enrichment, oh. which means enrichment's the best. Creating activities or hiding food so that these bears will learn how to be bears again and they learn how to forage for food. So one of the coolest moments was when I was in the bear enclosure and it is set up so that you they are kind of partitioned off yeah. so that I can get in. 
it's safe. Mm -hmm. But I was hiding food, and one of the bear keepers said, no, you're not hiding it well enough. Uh. And I thought that was so awesome because it means, like, the life of this bear depends on how sneaky I can be and hide its food. Like, I have to dig a hole or I have to hide it up in a tree and and make it difficult for them. So anyway, um, really wonderful work that they are doing. All of their employees are just so dedicated. You, You know that they love the bears and... The gentleman who was showing me around on my first day, I asked him, I was like, do any of the bears, you know, have personalities that you don't really like or are some of them easier to work with than others? And he's like, I can't even answer that because they're all wild bears and I love them because they are wild Mm -hmm. and have wild personalities. And I thought that was so cool because we so often anthropomorphize animals like, oh, that personality is great. I love working with this one. Or that bear is always kind of a a jerk or or, um, ornery. And he's like, no, they, you know, whatever their personality is, that's who they were meant to be. And I thought that was just such a beautiful reflection. Yeah. And it's it's really cool to think of it because since the goal is to have them be wild again, is that you don't want to put them into it. Like, I mean, I characterize my dog all the time, but he's domesticated. He's never, he was never meant to be wild. They've been domesticated for thousands and thousands of years. But with wild animals, like that's who they are. That's how they're going to survive in the wild. Like. That is, it is. You really can't awesome. change who they are, and it's just really that's a really cool mindset that I've never thought about. I will say that if anyone is looking to support these bears, Free the Bears organization is a great organization mm-hmm. to donate to. Also, what I really loved is that they own or rent they they lease land. Pardon me, they leased land from the government to create and put their sanctuary on or their rescue. And I asked them, like, what happens if you get more bears than you have room for? Mm-hmm. And they said, that won't happen because we keep expanding. Oh, that's and awesome. And while I was there, they had already, like, started expansions on some enclosures. And these bears had so much room to roam. Aww. Which is, you don't see that in a zoo. You don't mm. see that in most rescues or sanctuaries. Like, oh, man, like, this animal that typically roams hundreds of miles or a huge like 30 square kilometer radius doesn't have much room in this enclosure but these bears had ample room like it was true to their nature so that organization is really helping them how many bears were there when you were there (gasps) that's a great question oh can I remember I want to say there were at least 10 Asiatic black bears and eight sun bears oh my goodness yes they have a whole tribe I mean I know they're all separate but do they all, are they all separate? Because I mean they're regularly solitary, but so I mean they do obviously come across each other in the wild. They so. do, and these different enclosures were they had several different enclosures yeah. for like two of the males would hang out and then three of the females would be together, but they never put the males and females together because mm-hmm. they don't want them to reproduce. Yeah. Which it would be counterintuitive. Like we're trying to get them back out into the wild. We they don't can want reproduce any to be, out there. We don't want any to be born in captivity. That's just counter. These bears are just so cool. They're fascinating and they're fluffy and they're just so stinking fluffy. Also, I mentioned earlier that you know their numbers are decreasing. So their IUCN red list. Oh yes, they are classified as vulnerable. Mm. Yes, 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 yes. But, like you said, there are really awesome organizations like Free the Bears out there who are working to get these guys, hopefully get their numbers back up. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, my God, so cute. Um, and if, if you haven't seen it, I recommend you head on over to National Geographic to watch this video about 
an Asiatic black bear with two amputated front paws learn how to walk again. <gasps> Stop. Yes, mm. yes. He was caught in um, snares and was held captive for years and years as a bile bear. Oh, my God. It was just, it was so sad. But yeah. he was rescued and, and got to feel grass and oh. under his... Oh, it's so good. That's precious. Yeah. Oh, well, that kind of had a happy ending. Yeah. My animal's not nearly as cuddly, but he's still super cool. He, super she. cool. So I decided to go with a fish this week, but I was like, go big or go home. So I went go with real the big. largest fish of all, which is... <gasps> The whale shark. Whale, whale, whale. Shark. I was reading through my notes earlier, and they're the largest living non-mammalian vertebrate. And I was like, non-mammalian? And then I had to be like, Ashley, they're a fish. They're a fish. Like, I got mad at myself because you read whale first. But anyway, so the whale shark. So all sharks, for people who don't know, are fish. Yeah. That's a question I feel like people have a lot. Like, where do sharks kind of fit into the mix? So you can either be, like, a fish, a mammal, a bird, an amphibian, or a reptile. Yes. You can fit into one of those classes. Uh-huh. Um, and then it breaks down from there. Yes. So, all sharks are fish. So these guys are the largest fish. Uh, if you, You've probably seen them. They're pretty... They're very charismatic because they are very large. Um, they're this grayish, Iconic, brownish, emblematic. They're all of the above. Oh, so beautiful! But they always kind of look bluish because they're in the water. I'm sweating to death right now. Um, I am. I just really don't want to take off this sweatshirt Ooh, because I am this is a very just ill-fitting <laughs> shirt underneath. It's just not great. So they're this brownish, bray, brownish bray. Bray is not a color. <laughs> Neither is brownish. <laughs> Grayish brown. They often look blue though in the water, with white spots and a white belly. And they're very—they have a very flat head as well. They're the largest fish in that they measure up to forty feet in length. That's the size of a bus. Of a school bus. So they're gigantic. They can weigh up to twenty point six tons, but they average at nine tons. So the largest one ever. Wow, they average at was nine. Gigantic. But they weigh up to 20. Yeah. Um, but average at nine tons, which I'm like, anything over, well, that's just the largest one they found, according right, to an right, article right. I read. How do they, we talked about this during our narwhal episode, but uh-huh. how do they weigh underwater animals? Do they just guesstimate? I'm, I'm guessing it's from dead species. That's dead probably individuals. Probably the obvious answer, isn't it? Yeah. I'm sorry. Not a scientist. Um, I mean, there are species that they have. Whale sharks, there are whale sharks, uh, Sharks, I believe, uh, in an aquarium in the U.S. I think it's the Georgia. Whale shark in United States. I believe there are two in captivity. No? Am I wrong? Georgia Aquarium is okay. the largest aquarium in the world. It is home to the only whale sharks outside of Asia. Knew it. So they could weigh them there, but most marine species, I believe, are probably that aren't kept in captivity are probably it's just the dead specimens that are yeah. are weighed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I I don't know how to measure something that's nine tons. I don't have a scale bigger big enough for that. I don't have a scale at all. But like I said, they're the largest living non-mammalian vertebrate, and they can live up to seventy years. Whoa! And that's, that's so, so cool. Like most goldfish live like three weeks. Man, At least my goldfish. That's awesome. Like these guys are as old as like a 
person in the 70s. I don't know. When was the, what was the average age? Well, I was going to say that, like, they're as old as my parents. Oh. That's crazy, right? There you go. My parents are not in their 70s yet. They're getting there. Yeah. Sorry, they're getting guys. to. They're approaching whale shark age, which <laughs> um, you can let them I'm know. I'm gonna tell them that next time they're like, "I'm so old." I'm gonna be like, "You're, you're just not, approaching whale shark age." Don't worry about it. Also, I forgot their Latin. Their scientific name is Rincidon typus. I didn't. Typus. Yeah, I didn't look up what. I didn't break it down, but I just thought it was interesting. Yeah, no, I, I like mm-hmm. that inclusion. Mm-hmm. So these guys are carnivorous. Can you guess what they eat? Fish. Occasionally, they, they, they do eat fish just kind um, of by so accident. So actually, they... You want to change your answer? Uh, I want to change my answer because uh-huh. I'm thinking now. They eat krill. Plankton. Plankton, okay. Which is plankton, plankton and krill are different? Are different, okay. yes. Krill eat plankton. Gotcha. So they eat things... So they this eat is like, things even smaller than krill, which so, are like as big as your pointer finger. So these guys are the... Other, they're the largest fish in the ocean. And they eat the smallest. And they eat the smallest, which is amazing. Which is also why you often see scuba divers or Nat Geo explorers swimming with these fellas, because it's not that dangerous. Yeah. They're, they're not gentle gonna, giants. They're not going to eat you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so they are filter feeders. So what that means is that they are going to suck in a bunch of water and filter it all out, and whatever's left, which they're, you know, feeding on these large gathering. What do you call a large group of plankton? Swarms of plankton. I was going to say a swarm. A swarm. Um, and they're filtering out their water, uh, out the water. So specifically, they use cross-flow filtration, which I'm going to read my notes very carefully because I'm not an expert on cross-flow filtration. But what they do is they'll stick out their jaw, nice and big, and passively feed. So they really don't put a lot of work into eating, <laughs> which, like, I can respect a hundred percent. They passively eat. <laughs> So water, again, I'm reading this verbatim from my notes, which I will list my sources later. Water travels nearly parallel to the filter pad surface, not perpendicularly through it, before passing to the outside, while denser food particles continue to the back of the throat. So they just open their mouth and And swim swim along. Basically. I want to be a whale shark. Right? Could you imagine if you just got to walk? I was going to say walk around D.C., but that I would not. I would not walk around my house. The particles in D.C. Yeah. Like, what if you went to a restaurant and you just walked around with your mouth open and that's how you <laughs> ate? That's fantastic. I want to passively feed. Right? Gosh. Yeah. And then a fun fact is that they, whale sharks have been observed to cough. Which they think is um, them clearing the the pads that they use to filter feed to like no kind of like dislodge the, the excess. Yeah. And do you know what and this I, looks like? No. I don't know if there's any video of it because there's not a lot of. I'll get to it, but they don't have like any video of like the mating ma- mating. I don't always have like mating, mating or or birth. I think they. Ha- I think I believe I have that. Well, yeah. Neither mating nor pupping, which is yeah, giving. Uh, yeah, babies uh, has baby, been observed. Baby sharks are called pups. Yeah, it's so adorable. That's and you adorable. know that? Why are we? Why do people hate sharks? Also, that sharks have babies three different ways. Some lay eggs. Some have live births. Yeah. Um, and then there's one in between where like they have eggs, but the eggs hatch inside. I think or something. I don't mm, remember. I'm not actually familiar with that. I knew that some were live births and yeah. some were eggs. I believe there's a, a one in the middle. There um, is. Um, a video online of a whale shark coughing. <gasps> uh, I know. 
I need to watch it. Can we watch it? Yeah, I'm watching watch it. it. He's so he's passively feeding right now. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. His mouth is just a gape. <laughs> is that him coughing? <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> it literally just looks like he's like singing and like trying to. Oh yeah, he is singing. Look at him just. Oh, what a little passive. They're literally feeder. the You're definition so of a gentle cute. giant. You and your speckles. Speckers. Oh, yeah. We didn't actually talk about them and their speckles. They have freckles. They have spots. I said they were spotted. I know, but do we know why? Um, no. I wonder what uh, what so, evolutionary purpose that has because we've we've heard a lot about how... So there's counter shading where you're darker right. on top and lighter on bottom. Right. But I think... I know, like, for, like, baby deer and stuff, because they're speckled, mm -hmm. it, like, it helps breaks the up their pattern. But I wonder if it's the same, like, from the top for, like, looking down. If the I, speckles you help. You know what? I wonder if it's because, I don't know if you mentioned already, and that's how well I'm listening. Um, <laughs> right. I'm sweating through this sweatshirt. Sorry. The, um, whale sharks are found in primarily tropical waters. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if it's because Jump the, the water here. there is getting more sun uh -huh. and there's a lot of reflection happening. That could be it. You know, when you look at the water yeah. in the Caribbean or somewhere, it's it's just brighter and there's a lot of light refracting off. Yeah. It's interesting because these guys not, these guys don't have any there's predators. No predators, yeah. Nothing's going to eat baby a whale shark. Baby. So um, they're speckled and we don't know why, but it's really cute. That is. And important later on, I'll explain. I I want to you befriend can't have a, one. I know. You cannot have one. Also, <laughs> can I, would... I just throw in this? One time at my old job in the in the Senate, we were going around the like a meeting one day, and the icebreaker was if you could all like in a perfect world, if you could have a wild animal as a pet, yeah. what would it be? And one of my coworkers said a shark. <laughs> and we're like, what would you do with it? Yeah, like I would think of something more fun. Like I, you can't play with a shark, right? Like, where are you no, going? Like, are you going to train, raise it so that it doesn't eat you? Not saying that all sharks eat people. Right, that is right, not right. at all what I'm saying. Right, right. But I'm, I am saying that, depending on what kind of shark, it's still not safe to, like, hang no, out with them I know. on a daily basis. Anyway, <laughs> I'm say. sorry. No, it's so okay. Funny. I'm just joking on my own saliva. <clears throat> <clears throat> Quietly, though, because I'm so loud. I, I put in my notes, filter feeding carpet shark with a question mark. And I think that's how they described in one article, so that's why I put it in there. But I can't be sure. So, also, you mentioned something earlier yeah. similar to them being these filter feeders. Uh -huh. It made me think that they're like the trees of the ocean because they're, <laughs> like, filtering things. And mm -hmm. then the way they dispel it is maybe cleaner. Could be similar, except that I feel like trees will filter out, like, Mole like molecules, right? I know where the comparison is, is not strong. It's not perfect, but I see where you're going. We'll go with whale sharks are the trees of the ocean. <laughs> I don't know how whale sharks would feel about that. They would just be like, "You're um, so stupid." But so we did just watch this video, which yeah. we'll post or link to, or I don't yeah. know, or just just watch whale sharks coughing because they just keep opening their mouths. <laughs> so their mouths can be 1.5 meters wide <laughs> or 4.9 feet, which is like the size of a person. Oh my just and so just picture this gigantic mouth just open, swimming along, minding their own business. And they contain 300 to 350 rows of tiny, tiny teeth that help filter. Um, and 10 filter pads, which they will cough to yeah. clean. 
so cute. But yeah, I I would kill to see the inside of a whale shark mouth. Can you imagine? Okay, I so, realize I should have worded that differently. I know. As soon as I started, <laughs> as soon as but you I didn't said back it, you're off. Like, Gosh, yeah. I don't know if your research led you to any of this, but there are a lot of places that for tourism purposes will be like, come swim with yeah. whale sharks. But they It's kind of a big problem. It's a big problem. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. Whale sharks are have really awesome mouths that I just want to look into. Can you imagine being a whale shark dentist? Sorry. You moving on. You just be employed forever. Forever. Because they have so many teeth. So they typically, like you said, they're in warmer waters. They're in tropical water, waters. They rarely visit water below 70 degrees. Oh, balmy. And that instantly makes me think of my mom who refuses to go into a pool that's like under 80 degrees. Oh my God. like, mom, you're a whale shark. She would hate if I said that. No. So don't listen to this, mom. At least it finishes um, with shark. Right? She's fierce. But yeah, so they're found a lot of places and they're known to migrate between different locations. Mm-hmm. So they're in tropical waters, but a big place they're located is on like the Philippines. Yes. Um, yes. which I will come to later to a really cool organization. Mm. So they're primarily pelagic, which means that they tend to live in the open sea. No, so nice that means. deep waters. Yeah, we're learning. But not like super they won't dive super great dust. Mm-hmm. They they have been known to dive, but typically they don't need to. Their food they're super is passive. Up towards the they're, yeah, yeah, just hanging up toward the, the getting all that light in there. But one really important thing is that they are extremely docile yes, um, and present yes. absolutely no threat to humans. For one thing, they filter feed. They mm-hmm. may have 300 to 350 teeth, but they're tiny and mm-hmm. used to filter out, pain, not even bite plankton. I don't think you can bite plankton. No. Um, but so they pose no threat to humans. But in that way... It would be like us biting a smoothie, a kale smoothie. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> it just sounded like when people bite ice cream and I'm like, oh. <laughs> What? People bite Stop. ice cream? Yeah. What does that look what like? When people take popsicles and just bite them? Ooh, like, I'll so gnaw on them on the back after sucking. Oh, wait. Oh. Is that what she said? I just don't want... <laughs> I was like, maybe I shouldn't get into the description of how I consume popsicles, but... I would love for you to talk about whale sharks. All right. But anyway, because they're extremely docile and present no threat to humans, and yeah. I feel like this comes up a lot across... Animal species that when they are docile and don't pose a threat is when they end up becoming really threatened. Mm-hmm. Because humans are like, oh, cool, I can kind of exploit this in a way. Yeah. Um, which yeah. is really, really shitty, to be honest. You hot there, girl? Yeah. You pour yourself another glass of wine. We should have brought ice. We should have brought more um, So in terms of their conservation, they are IUCN listed as vulnerable. Um, they're listed in 2005 as vulnerable and are still declining. I still have a good amount of wine. Are you sure about that? I must just be on a roll. This is my, I already poured myself a second glass. Well, I'm going to pour myself more then. <laughs> they're still hunted in parts of Asia, primarily the Philippines. Uh, their greatest impacts are impacts of fisheries, bycatch losses. So bycatch is when essentially you're fishing for something else. You put nets out for something else. Not you personally, podcast listeners. People put out nets and whale sharks get caught in them which is awful. Vessel strikes, especially because they are so big, big they kind of face very similar problems to whales. Manatees, Um, whales. Manatees, whales, um, the mammals. And then combined with their long lifespan and late maturation. So what that means is basically because they live so old, and I I don't have the exact time of when they reach sexual maturity. Mm, Um, Well, we're not sure. There's not a lot of research. Yeah, but... 
for animals that, you know, reproduce really early in life, they only have to live, you know, a year and they can reproduce. Right. But for something that lives 70 years, they might not mature until they're 10, 40. 11, <laughs> probably not, maybe not 40. I don't know why. But, uh, it's but still, if it's, even if it's just five years, instead of having to live one year, if you should live a whole five years and, like, get through all that before you can even reproduce, yeah. you're going to be a, a lot more um, susceptible to... Threats. Threats, yeah. Hazards, anything. Because you got that challenge. However, there are things that have been done. So in 1998, Philippines banned all fishing, selling, importing, exporting of whale sharks for commercial purposes. Now, of course, that doesn't mean that there aren't illegal practices and black market whale shark parts being sold. But the fact that there's anything in place is, is a good start. Yeah. In India, the same thing happened in May 2001 and in Taiwan, May 2007. Okay. They were added to CITES Appendix 2 in 2003. So CITES is the... Shit. <laughs> Conservation Inter... No. What is the first... What's the C? I know it's trade in endangered species. I need to know this. Oh my god. We've, we've both worked on this for years. <laughs> oh god. Alright. Oh Google break because we're failing at our jobs. Oh my god. This is our job. Okay. I got it. <clears throat> It's the Convention on International Convention, <laughs> Convention on International Trade in Endangered Species. So it's what's it's uh, regulating bodies that essentially like regulate trade of endangered species. Let me just repeat the title. It's pretty self-explanatory. But so being added to Appendix Two regulates the international trade of live specimens and their parts, which is good to have regulation. So there are some cool organizations that are working to help whale sharks. Tell me. And there's one that's really cool. And initially, when I started doing whale sharks, I just did whale sharks because I like whale sharks. Right. Um, and then I remembered about a year and a half ago, I went to this really cool, like, week ha- half-week retreat thing with a group called CMG. Were you about to say a weekend? Well, I was going to say weekend, but it was longer than a weekend. It was, like, five days. That's like a weekend. But it was over the weekend, so it's a weekend. Yeah. Never heard that before. I want to use it. But anyway, yeah, Did I like it. Did you get glasses? They're really nice. Like a month and a half ago. Because I... my dog ate the old bear. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so about a year and a half ago, I went on this weekend retreat that was video and conservation centered with a group called Conservation Media Group, or CMG, where they partner nonprofits with video people, which is my Whoa, my specialty. That's so cool. Um, and this group I didn't partner with, but I'm but somebody else partnered with, yeah. but I got to talk to people who worked with them, and they're called LAMAVE, so L-A-M-A-V-E. It stands for Large Marine Vertebrates Research Institute in the Philippines. Oh. And from their website specifically, they are the largest independent, non-stock, non-government organization dedicated to the conservation of marine megafauna and the marine environment in the Philippines. And we strive for conservation through scientific research, policy, and education. Hmm. And I remember in talking to them, it was really cool because one of the things that, that is a big concern that you kind of brought up earlier was yeah. this tourism aspect. Yeah. And a big problem that you don't see right away, but can be very detrimental later on is when people swim, if people are swimming with whale sharks and they come up and touch them or approach them or um, get kind of, you know, in their bubble, like you can swim with species as long as you know the respect, respectable distances to hold and things like that. Um, So like they were working with their, who the person they partnered with kind of figuring out a plan of what kind of video that they could make, that they could show tourists who come to the island 
who come to, to where they were specifically, where there was a lot of tourism, mm-hmm. that they could show them that would help kind of educate them in, in both in um, whale sharks, but also how to appropriately have this tourism. Because a lot of places like the Philippines, tourism is one, is a big industry. So if you're or going to big, have it, biggest, yeah, yeah, if you're going to have it, because you can't necessarily eliminate it, you need to make sure that it's being done right. Whale sharks are one of the, the, the large marine vertebrates that they work with. So two of their biggest projects are photo ID, which is really cool because, like I said, they have all these spots mm-hmm. and they kind of act like a fingerprint. Um, so that they get photos of them, they can identify the individuals. Neat. And I believe in, in the area they're working, they've they recently identified like their thousand one thousandth whale shark. They can wow. they've identified a thousand individuals, yeah, which is yeah. really awesome. So it's really helpful with their population, which is interesting because even on the IUCN site, I could not find a population size. Really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Maybe I should look again. But, yeah. So that's, they're doing photo ID and then satellite tagging to track their movements. Interesting. Because um, a lot of, uh, especially with migratory species, you have to make sure you're conserving all parts of their environment. If you just conserve one, you're it's going to be no help if they go somewhere else right. in the summer or right. spring. Right. Um, so those are two of the kind of the main projects they're working on. And I actually looked, and just recently, I think in the beginning of May, or not in May, in the beginning of April... <laughs> They published a paper called A Guilty Pleasure, Tourist Perspectives on the Ethics of Feeding Whale Sharks in Oslob, Oslob? Philippines. So they're doing really cool scientific research. Um, I'm, I'm glad that it's science-based. Yeah. Because I think in a lot of developing countries, the money mm-hmm. wins out. Mm-hmm. And just entirely to support your point, yeah, they don't want to take away from the tourism, which yeah. is where they're all getting yeah. A lot of money, and that's good. That's but very yeah. encouraging. But yeah, so they're called Lamave, um, L-A-M-A-V-E, and they're doing really cool work. So uh, whale sharks are awesome. Giant fish. I was like, I do love fish, and one yeah. day I'll do a normal size fish, but go yeah. bigger or home okay, to start yeah. with. Why not? Um, just wait till I start talking about the lateral line. Mm, yes. I really like sunfish, but that's for a later date. They're so weird. They are so weird. I mean, I feel like you can say that about, like, 90% I know, you really could. They also, they're called like a half fish in some cultures. Really? they don't look like a half fish. Anyway. Uh, um, well, I think that was a great, great couple of species. I think so. Should we dip into our mermaids first? Uh, yeah. Ready? Uh, bing. <laughs> Alright, I picked one, but I'm going to go with the one above it. Okay, alright. Because it's sea potato. Sea potato. Oh, man. I never met a potato I didn't like. That's true. I'm going to love this guy. It's my sister's line. I'm sorry. No, I want french fries. Um, sea potato. I know sea cucumbers. I know sea cucumbers. The sea cucumbers can eject their stomach, mm-hmm. which is... And turn inside out when disturbed. You know. So cool. Dude, if that happened to me, I'd just be inside out all the time. <laughs> I just be walking around while my hands out. <laughs> I'm just scared. I'm guessing a sea potato is pretty solid, pretty stationary. Yeah, yeah. I'm guessing sea it potato. doesn't move. And it's not a couch potato. It's a sea potato. Which I guess I'm gonna guess it looks like a sea cucumber. I'm guessing a sea potato. Um, that's probably. First of all, I googled it. 17 facts about the wee sea potatoes. Look at that! Oh my thing. god, they're teeny. It looks like a tot. <laughs> Really, it should be sea tater tot. Sea tater tot. It also looks kind of fuzzy, so I'm yeah. gonna try to say it's. I'm gonna try to say it's a scientific name. It's the 
echinocardium cordatum. cordatum. That's so interesting because echinocardium cordatum. Damn. Mainly because I think of echidnas, which are not this at all. So, but what does an echidna have that this could share in common? Um, What's the echi part? Fuzzy? No, echidnas aren't fuzzy. They're spiky. No, uh, round. Round! I bet. Maybe it's round. Yeah. The sea potato is a heart-shaped urchin. Oh, maybe it's urchin. Because even though it looks fuzzy, if it's an urchin, urchins are spiky. Echidnas are spikies. So for those are spikies. For those who don't know, echidnas are one of the um, one of the two one of the two monotremes Shit, in the world. Yeah. Oh, that's my next I animal. Meant, I'm doing it. Okay, so they're mammals that lay eggs. Those mm-hmm. are monotremes, Tremes. not marsupials. That was wrong. I'm sorry. They sim- share a similar name, but I wonder if it's because they're oh they have they grow tubercles and are mostly pointed backwards. Oh, okay. So, I really like this fact. The sea potato has a discontinuous cosmopolitan distribution. The, does that mean it's in everywhere? Bio, in biogeography, um, a taxon is said to have a cosmopolitan distribution if its range extends across all or most of the world in appropriate habitats. I gotta say, I love it when species are described as cosmopolitan because I think of them as, like, super fancy. Super fancy. And, like, drinking a cosmopolitan. <laughs> drinking a martini. And I know, like, my brain's like, actually, no, it just means they're everywhere. Yeah. But I'm like, no, they're fancy. No. I'm, it's a fancy sea potato. That's a fancy potato. <laughs> if I have a new one. Oh, man. Oh, they live buried in the sandy sea floor. Of course floor. they do. I mean, I'd say they're cute, but they mainly look like, I, I think my dog has a toy that looks like a sea potato, to be honest. They look like, <gasps> they look like a tater oh. I saw asphyxi- asphyxiation for the buried urchin. But the spines trap air, which helps prevent asphyxiation oh, for the good. buried urchin. Well, these things are super cute. There are so many things in the ocean. It is ridiculous. Well, we know less about the ocean than we do outer space. I know. Which is, like, I'm all gung-ho about, like, yeah, let's explore space. But there's so much here, so much here. we need to explore. We need to explore and protect. Anyway, that was yeah. a good mermaid's purse. It was. Especially because it was something that could be found near, probably, a mermaid's perch. Per- Purse. <laughs> Let me say it a couple times so when I edit it, it'll sound normal. Purse. 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 All right. And just a reminder, though we are animal enthusiasts, we are not scientists. So please don't cite us in your academic papers. I know how much you want to do that. Uh, do your research. We just want to get you excited about these animals like we are. Mm-hmm. Thanks for joining us on this episode. Tune in next time when we learn more about animals, their biology, and habitats the threats they face, and what people are doing about it. All right. Have a great week, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) You're weekending with a B. Weeb. Weeb. All right. Goodbye. Goodbye.